0: Praise God. We are going through verse by verse uh, the book of Hebrews, and today we are in chapter 3, and we have a lot to cover, just in 19 verses, so I'm going to try and get through it as quickly as I can, and uh, hopefully you'll learn something this morning and be blessed and encouraged and built up. Can you say amen? Praise God. Um, I'm going to read up there since I don't have a point to point back here, but you can read back here, Okay. We're beginning at verse uh, 1 and verse 2. It says, therefore. And so whenever it says, therefore, in the scriptures, you always want to know, why is it therefore? And the reason it's therefore is because in chapter 1, the Son of God himself spoke to us. Thank God that somebody wrote down some of the things that Jesus said. In John's gospel, it says that he did a whole lot more than there was written in here, and there'd not be enough books to write it all down. But these were written so that you may believe and that believing may have eternal life. He became a human being. God himself came down from heaven. Hallelujah. Therefore, holy brothers or brethren and it just doesn't mean the brothers it means brethren it means men and women because the bible says there's no difference in god's eyes between men and women we're human beings and these brethren these brothers these are people who believe in jesus it says goes on to say you who share in a heavenly calling you who share say i say it with me i share in a heavenly calling. Praise God. I have a copy at home of the book by Brother Andrew called The Calling. He says, I was just an ordinary guy and I never could never forget he writes in the book watching TV and here's the Soviet tanks rolling into Czechoslovakia. I believe there was the year 1962 or 63 and he says, He got in his car, loaded a bunch of literature. He had Russian Bibles, and he spoke Russian. And he drives to the Czechoslovakian border, and there's this line of cars of people trying to leave, and he's the only car going in. And the border patrol looks at him and says, are you crazy? No, no, I got to go in. He goes in, and just like Pastor Wormbrand did in Romania, he reached out. To the Russians. What he did is, Brother Andrew gathered the church together that he had been affiliated with, and he said, You guys, guys, this is great. You didn't go over to Russia to preach to the Russians, so God brought them here to you. Praise God. Here's a bunch of Russian literature. And the Russian soldiers were amazed that the people came out with smiles on their faces because other people were throwing Molotov cocktails at them and rocks and eggs. And these people come out of church with smiles and they give the Russian soldiers literature, stuff to read in Russian about Jesus. And he felt, he says, that was my calling. But I was just an ordinary guy. And I just felt that's what God wanted me to do. I believe that every single individual that believes in Jesus that has put their faith and trust in him has a calling on their life. And it could be just as ordinary as being the best employee at your workplace. It could be as amazing as doing like Pastor Jack Harris does and go to a a foreign country. Irregardless, every one of us have a calling. What it means is we are uh, partakers. The J.B. Phillips translation says, My brothers... In holiness, how many know that when you put your trust in Jesus and you ask him to become your Lord and Savior, he makes you holy right then and there, forevermore, as long as you continue keeping your trust in him. Brothers in holiness who share in the highest of all callings, there's no other calling. Uh, At the end of uh, World War II, uh, the evangelist Billy Graham was approached and asked if he would become the ambassador from the United States. To Japan what an honor to become an ambassador and a representative of the most powerful country in the world and he refused I have a higher calling just like I believe it's Nehemiah uh, they're building the wall around Jerusalem after coming out of uh, captivity in Babylon and uh, they're asked they requested to come and meet with some other government officials he says I don't have time for you I'm busy doing something for God I have a higher calling. You and I have a higher calling. Praise God. Can you say Amen. amen? What is this calling? It's the Greek word klesis, and it's always used in the New Testament, according to Vine's Dictionary, of that calling, the origin, nature, and destiny of which are heavenly. It is used especially of God's invitation to mankind to accept the benefits of salvation. never ceases to amaze me that people reject Jesus. They don't want to have anything to do with Jesus when it's the best thing that has ever happened in the entire history of the human race, and the entire universe, that God himself came down from heaven and became a human being to become, as we looked in chapter 2, a sharer or a partaker. Of our nature, so to speak, of our experience, so that He would be able to comfort us, that He would be able to say, You know what? I went through it, you can too. Praise God. That's good news. Can you say Amen? Amen. That's good news. Hallelujah. It's derived from the, well, first of all, one of the words of the heaven ca- calling is a noun, the other is a verb, and it's pronounced kaleo, I believe, and it's ger- derived from the Greek word root call, and it's used particularly of the divine call to participate or partake of the blessings of redemption. Matthew Henry said that calling brings down heaven into the souls of mankind. Before we have received Jesus and acknowledged him and accepted him as Lord, we are disconnected. We are out of touch with heaven. Can you say amen? But when we receive that blessing from God, heaven gets connected, or as I would say in modern language, gets downloaded. Hallelujah. Praise God. Unfortunately for us, most of us human beings, it takes a while for that to really manifest itself. But keep on, keep it on. Hallelujah. It also means to speak to someone else in order to bring that person nearer and into a personal relationship, whether by that person individually speaking to the person or through a mediator. Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. Jesus is the mediator between God and man, and he reaches out all the time and he uses you and I to try to reach others. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 26 through 31. Consider your calling, brethren. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards, not many of you were powerful, not many of us We're of noble birth there's no nobles in this room is there praise god we don't really have nobles in this country but god chose what is foolish to shame the wise what is weak in the world to shame the strong and not in a bad way but so that people will turn to him and turn to god and say god i don't know what to do i need you that's a good place to be in can you say amen And God also chose what is low and despised in the world, things that are not not in existence, to bring to nothing things that are. In order that, no human being might boast in the presence of God. And in verse 30, because of Jesus, or from him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Hallelujah, so that it is written, do not boast in wisdom, might, or riches, but boast in this, that you understand and know God, that God says, I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness. In these things I delight, declares the Lord. God so much delights, he says here. When we acknowledge him, when we say yes to Jesus, it's delightful to God. Can you say amen? It's a good place to be in Christ, because if you're not in Christ, you're in Adam, the Bible says. And it, there's one or the other. There's no middle ground with God. You're either for God or not. If you're not for God, you're against him. And that's not a good place to be. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. That calling brings down heaven into the souls of mankind. And its purpose is uh, to get us into Christ and to invite other believers. And it's addressed to individuals. Excuse me. And it never, the calling never concerns just that one person. Because once you become born again, you're birthed or born into the family of God. And guess what? There's other people in the family. And so it affects not only you, it affects other people hallelujah verse one goes on to say consider jesus or think about jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession the word apostle that literally means he's an ambassador sent by god if we look and remember in chapter one it says god spoke through prophets and angels in the past now speaks to us through his son this what he's saying here is consider Jesus the apostle. He's the messenger. He brings the message. And instead of the angels telling the message, it's God Himself. He is both the apostle and the high priest. It says in the Bible that Jesus has gone into the most holy place, the genuine, real holy place, hallelujah, with His own precious blood. And there He has made propitiation or covering for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of the whole world hallelujah so he's not only uh, done that he's the mediator hallelujah jameson fawcett and brown they say when it says consider they say contemplate or think on him with a view to profiting by the contemplation the more you put your thoughts on jesus the more it will profit you praise god the bible says I believe it's in uh, one of the letters to the Corinthians that we have the mind of Christ. Say that with me. I have the mind of Christ. Isn't that amazing? We have the mind of Christ. God wants to be foremost in our thoughts. That's a good place to be. I heard the other day on the radio, Pastor Chuck Smith was uh, preaching and he says, you know, Uh, every so often people get up and they testify about how I did this and this happened and and I made this go this way and that way and it's all about themselves. He says, I love to hear testimonies about people who get up and say, I don't know what I'd do without Jesus in my life. I don't know where I'd be. (coughs) Excuse me. Get up by water, please. I I think I know where I'd be without Jesus. I'd either be dead or in prison, because uh, the people I started meeting before I come out here to Tucson, <clears throat> either just getting out of jail or going to jail, and that was the crowd I was hanging around with. And and I remember I had no idea, I had no clue what I was doing. Mikey the biker said, "Hey man, what do you think about flying colors for a while?" And I thought, huh, "I've never done anything like that before. Maybe I'll try." Sure. Good God. <laughs> thank God I didn't do that because like I said who knows where I would be excuse me I don't know what I'd do without Jesus <clears throat> that's a good place to be so he, he's called the apostle and the high priest and this is the only place in the Bible in the New Testament where Jesus is called an apostle distinct from angels and compared to Moses. The letter to the Hebrews used the term, or the Hebrew people used the term apostle as delegates sent by the high priest to collect the temple tax from Jews who were living in foreign countries, according to James and Fawcett and Brown's commentary. Think about that. The high priest is in Jerusalem, and he's so intent on his uh, uh, office that he actually sends delegates, apostles is what it's saying that the the phrase meant. Apostles, representatives to go to find the Jewish people in other countries and say, "Uh, you owe the temple tax and bring it back to Jerusalem. And he's compared to Aaron as the high priest. We confess that Jesus has satisfied the law's demands of justice and his intercession we profess to depend on for pardon of sin and acceptance with God, according to Matthew Henry. I'll read that again. We confess Jesus as our high priest, and we believe that he satisfied the law's demand for justice, and we believe that he intercedes for us, and we depend on him for pardon of sin and acceptance with God. Praise God. Consider him. Consider Jesus. He was faithful. Not only was faithful, still is faithful. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Faithful to him who appointed him as high priest. Who appointed Jesus as high priest? God the Father. Hallelujah. And not only did he appoint him as high priest, but he appointed him to conquer death by tasting death and defeating temptation. Glory to God goes on to say he was faithful to him as who, who appointed him. And then he compares him to Moses, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. Listen to what Moses said in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. The Lord, your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. It is to him you shall Listen. And then God speaks through Moses and says that this is what he will do. God says, I will put my words in his mouth and he will speak all that I command him. John chapter 12, verse 49, Jesus says the very same thing. He says, I have not spoken on my own authority, but the father who sent me gave me a command that what I should say and what I should speak. Glory to God. Jesus just didn't come and shoot his mouth off. Just, he wasn't a loose cannon. <laughs> well, are you stupid Pharisees? <laughs> no. He was specifically commanded by God the Father. Here's what I want you to say. And sometimes it didn't sound so nice. He called them a brood of vipers. You snakes. But I don't believe that he was, you know. Jesus had a heart and compassion. And when he spoke things to people, it was to win them over to God. That was his sole purpose, I believe. Moses was faithful in all his house. Praise God. Some translators or some uh, versions put it this way. Moses was faithful in all God's house. And some of them say, that he was faithful in his own personal house. But in Numbers chapter 12, verse 7, it says that he was faithful in my house, God speaking through the prophet. Hebrew Christians still had a high opinion of Moses. So whoever wrote this letter to the Hebrews had to mention Moses because Jewish people still have a very high opinion of Moses. It's kind of hard. I saw a guy... The other night, uh, I think it was on Facebook, uh, explaining how Jesus could not have been God because uh, there's no way that uh, Moses, uh, the covenant that we had, was an everlasting covenant, so it couldn't have been changed. Well, if you have to read the rest of the prophets because uh, I believe it's Ezekiel and Jeremiah say, and even Isaiah, you're going to uh, be changed. You're going to have a new covenant. How many know God just didn't make one covenant? There's lots of covenants in the Old Testament. There's a covenant with David to have someone on the throne. There's a covenant with Sarah. There's a covenant with uh, um, Ishmael's mom. Can't remember her name offhand. There's lots of different covenants in the Old Testament. But Moses was faithful. So he wants to make sure that he's reaching the Hebrew people by mentioning Moses. Verses 3 and 4, Jesus had been counted of more, word, more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house, is more honor than the house itself. Anybody know any famous architects? Anybody ever hear of Frank Lloyd Wright? He's a very famous architect. He's got a, a bunch of buildings. Uh, in fact, he was here in Arizona, and he's real famous. He's more famous than his buildings, I think, because... <laughs> and it's saying that the builder or the architect is more honored than the building itself i read a story of uh, actually my wife had a a book and and the big tall book about this tall and about that wide it's about skyscrapers and the famous architects who designed them and all that and uh, there was a church included in there Uh, some cathedral over in germany i can't remember the the name of the place it took them 500 years <laughs> to build the building. <laughs> it's unheard of nowadays because they built it out of stone. They had to build it so much and then let it settle for five, 50 years. So whoever started the building never got to finish it. Here in the, uh, in the I work in construction and uh, they want everything built yesterday. One job I worked on, we got to the yard to start to build stuff. And uh, they come out of the office with the drawings and said, "Um, we're supposed to start shipping stuff yesterday. (laughs) We just got everything. He just called us to come to work today. You know, what are we going to do? Well, we'll work 80 hours this week. Okay, we'll do what we can. And we got it done. But 500 years. The builder of the house. The house is the church. Praise God. Hallelujah. Jesus has been counted more worthy. Why? The reason to consider Jesus because he's counted worthy of more glory than Moses. By and who counted more glorious than Moses? God the Father, who exalted Jesus to His right hand. Chapter one, verse thirteen. It quotes Psalm one ten, verse one, and says that uh, the Lord said to my Lord, Sit thou at my right my <coughs> right hand. It's your right on that side. It's my right. Sit thou at my right hand while I make your enemies your footstool. It's a prophecy of Jesus. Hallelujah. Henry Alford, who was born in 1810, lived to 1871, um, he writes a comment about um, the uh, building. Uh, just so you know who he is, he's a, a, a British uh, uh, Bible scholar. Uh, he wrote... Uh, uh, an eight volume <laughs> New Testament in Greek. Took him 20 years to write the book. Talk about <laughs> studying to show yourself approved to God. In 1868, he published the New Testament for English readers. It was four volumes. He was a very smart man. He knew Greek. He's very, uh, uh, what they had available in his day. And when it talks about the person who built the house, what it literally is talking about, he says, is the person who prepared it or established it. The Greek word is used purposely instead of builded. When in the Greek, it doesn't say built. It says prepared. It uses a word that means prepared or established. And it's used to mark that the building meant is not a literal house But a spiritual house, that is the church, both of the Old Testament and the New Testament, and the building of such a house includes all the preparation of divine providence and grace needed to furnish it with the living stones and fitting servants. The Bible says in the New Testament that we are like living stones built up as a holy habitation. Remember that movie, The Blob? This thing comes... (laughs) From outer space and just whatever it touches it just absorbs and it gets bigger and bigger well enemies kind of like the blob so we need everyone in the church to be in their place so that the brick wall all the bricks are in the right place so the blob can't squeeze through hallelujah praise god we're living stones and fitting servants since christ is the establisher of the house he's greater than the house Including the servants, even Moses. Every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. It's kind of like a a side note. Oh, by the way, it's like, yeah, okay. But the builder of all things, because God wants to have all the honor and the glory as he should. Remember what Stephen said in Acts chapter 7, verse 55 and 56. Stephen sees Jesus, the Son of Man, standing at the right hand of God as they're stoning him to death. Well, I thought Jesus was seated there. Well, Jesus was taking notice. Hey, what's going on down there? He stood up to watch. In Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. The Son of Man will be coming on the clouds and His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. At Jesus' trial in Matthew chapter 26, Mark chapter 14, and Luke chapter 22, Jesus tells His accusers, You will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power of God and coming on or with the clouds of heaven. Jesus is telling them, I'm God. I'm the one that was prophesied about. Hallelujah. The builder. Now, we'll go to the next verse. Now, I like, whoever writes this, I always like this. Now, pay attention, look. Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant. Moses was a servant, but Jesus Think of this, Jesus, this is why we should think about Jesus. Jesus is the master of the house. Moses was the servant, and it's not a slave. Because if you know anything about the New Testament, there's uh, bondservants. And Paul the Apostle says, I'm a bondservant of Christ. In other words, I'm a slave. But Moses was a servant, a willing servant. Kind of like um, an attendant to a king. Moses was a servant. Jesus is the master. He's the son and the heir. Moses was kind of like an ambassador. And Jesus is the king. When the king arrives, the ambassador goes to the background. He was the representative. But Jesus himself is the possessor. And he's exalted. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus is appointed as the heir. We saw that in chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. And uh, it goes on to say that he's appointed heir of all things through whom he created the world or the worlds, the universe, the different ages according to vines. A time period marked by spiritual or moral characteristics. But it goes on to say in verse 6 that Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. Hallelujah. Let's back up just a minute. Because Moses testified to the things that were to be spoken later, and that is by Jesus. The things that Jesus was was speaking are the things that Moses testified to. Because they use the word servant here, It's a term of dignity and freedom, a kind of steward. Hallelujah. How many of you know that we are called, Jesus said, I call you servants, but I also call you friends. Jesus has bestowed a dignity upon you and I that the world cannot bestow. Hallelujah. The world cannot bestow the same quality of dignity that Jesus gives us. People may despise us, I know in some parts of the world, uh, Christians are given jobs like cleaning out sewers because that's beneath everyone else. I mean, we're, everyone's superior to the Christians are undignified. Well, I've got news for those people. The Bible says, Isaiah says, you people are like smoke in my eyes. Anybody ever get smoke in your eyes? Where my barbecue grill is, the, the wind brings the smoke right into my eyes. and It's like, ah. And God says, You people who say you're more holy than anybody else and everyone else is despised, you're like smoke in my eyes. Hallelujah. But Jesus gives us dignity no matter what. Hallelujah. Praise God. Sorry, I kind of lost my place. Oh, there it is a note. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 through 22. Listen to what it says. Now, therefore, you or we are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building as living stones being fit together grows into a holy temple In the Lord, in whom we also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Hallelujah. We are his house if, that little word if, means so much. If indeed we hold fast our confidence, the anticipation of good, our boasting, and our hope, some of the oldest manuscripts add to the end, our boasting and hope to the end. Psalm 27, verse 13 says these words, I would have lost heart unless I had believed or anticipated that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I don't know about you, but there's been times when I've been discouraged. And and the only thing I could think of is, you know what? God's doing something. I'm not sure what it is, but I believe that it's going to come out good just like joseph was told he told his brothers you meant it for evil but god meant it for good just like what happened over there and it's happening in syria the enemy meant it for evil but god meant it for good syrian refugees who could never have been reached with the gospel and evangelized have been pushed out of their country and gone to places where they can Hear the gospel. And that young lady became a Christian because of the love of God being expressed through Pastor Jack and the team over there. Just because they built an, uh, an addition on their house, this woman saw the love of God in action and turned her life over to Jesus. I hope the rest of her family did too. The foundation or confession is the acknowledgement of the truth, it's the Greek word, hypostasis, a foundation. The quality of confidence which leads us to stand under anything, endure anything, or undertake anything. If God gives you an idea, try it out. See what happens. If you have people at work that are difficult, and they know you're a Christian and they give you a difficult time just because you're a Christian, endure to the end because you keep on enduring, and eventually God is going to do something. Never know what. Maybe they'll get fired. Maybe, who knows? Maybe they'll get saved. That would be great. Hallelujah. Because Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. One time, one Thanksgiving years ago, I was watching TV and the strongman competition were on. And... uh, I went back to work the next week and I thought I was a strong man and I picked something up and, and I was able to move it around and my boss tells me, don't hurt yourself. I'm okay. And next thing you know, I had a hernia. <laughs> I should have been more careful. Praise God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but God says we should use some wisdom too. Can <laughs> you say amen? Therefore, verse 7, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, not tomorrow, not yesterday, but today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Hallelujah. Therefore, since we are of the house of God, or since we are the house of God, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Jesus is faithful. We should be too. Since, uh, we're, This is a quote from Psalm 95. Praise God. I'm going to read. Psalm 95, because I don't know if you know this, but that's only part of it today if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Because Psalm 95 is actually an invitation. Listen to what it says. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms, For the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. And then it says, today, if you hear his voice, Years ago, there was an older lady in the church and she, Kathy and I made friends with her and uh, she would ask us, people would say, "Uh, I I felt God speak to me, I heard God speak to me. And she would say, what does God sound like? Well, most of the time, God's voice sounds like yours. Try try reading the Bible out loud and you'll hear God's voice and be using your voice. I was praying one day and, and praying in tongues and just... I was really into it and all of a sudden these words in English came out of my mouth that I didn't think of and it was this. My word is like a seed and if you'll be faithful to enough to plant it, I'll be faithful to make it grow. It's like, whoa, it stopped me. I, wow! God uses your mouth and my mouth to speak to us and to speak to others. Today if you'll hear his voice, do not harden your hearts and this is what's quoted in uh, uh, this in hebrews chapter 3. do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion the day of the trial in the wilderness when your fathers tested me they tried me though they saw my work for 40 years i was grieved with that nation and said it is a people who go astray in their hearts they do not know my ways so i swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest what a sad commentary Therefore, the Spirit says they were at the Red Sea. They saw, they should have been, I mean, it just blows my mind. They saw the ten plagues on the Egyptians. They saw God part the Red Sea. They saw the Egyptian army come in and the sea cover them. And they saw the dead bodies of the army. And then they complained to go three days. Ah. Oh, the water's no good. Did you bring us out here to kill us? Most We could have, should have just stayed in Egypt. Are you guys crazy? Why would you want to do that? Joseph had prophesied and said, when God brings you out, as he was on his deathbed, he said, take my bones with you. Because he knew they were not going to stay there. And they wanted to go back. Good grief. They complained. The water, water was so. They they give in to the temptation to complain instead of saying, "Moses, you got God's ear. Can you help us? What are we going to do?" Instead, they said, "Yeah, let's go back to Egypt." Good grief! And God took notice. It's kind of funny, but I heard somebody say, "You know, the more you complain, the longer God lets you live." <laughs> the more because, why is, would that be. Hopefully you'll learn the lesson. Stop complaining because it says in the Bible, to make your request known to God with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in our lives. Hallelujah. Forty long years of unbelief. They decided, you know what? We can't trust God. We've seen all that stuff. But, uh, we can't trust God. That's a bad place to be. You Can't trust God. Can you trust God with your finances? Can you trust God with your unsaved loved ones? Keep praying for them. Don't refuse. Continue to trust God. Hallelujah. Rest. Jesus said that come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Today, not Tomorrow. Every day. Praise God. Psalm 68, verse 19 says, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. I told, I said, one time I asked this guy, you know, why don't you thank God for all this stuff that you got? God didn't have nothing to do with it. I did all this work myself. And I didn't think quick enough to say, Where'd you get the raw materials from? What about the oxygen you breathe? What about the the, the water you drink, where'd that come from? You didn't make it. It came from God. God created us. God created the universe. It didn't happen by accident. Good grief. Daily he loads us with benefits. Hallelujah. The rest was the promised land. But, listen, it's also talking about a future inheritance. Matthew chapter five, verse five, Jesus said, "Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth." Six times in Psalm 37 it says, uh, it makes reference to the meek to those that will inherit the earth." Psalm 25 verse 12 through 13, Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses he himself shall dwell in prosperity and his descendants shall inherit the earth. What you and I are doing today has future ramifications, future uh, impact. Hallelujah. Who knows how many people over there in Kurdistan of Iraq uh, are going to be saved or going to be blessed and, and, uh, and really, and we'll see them in heaven. Praise God. Who knows what impact it makes When you tell somebody about Jesus, glory to God. There was a, I probably spent too much time on Facebook, but there was a a post uh, of this rough looking lady uh, and uh, uh, a testimony uh, by one of the assistant pastors at some church. This lady came in and every, just about every other word out of her mouth was a cuss word. But uh, what happened is somebody, this lady was a, former drug addict, and somebody told this lady about Jesus and the hope uh, of redemption and deliverance, and uh, she gave her life to Jesus, But she was still rough around the edges. And she, she gives this testimony, basically, I don't know what I would do without Jesus. Praise God. And, the, and the, the man who wrote whatever he wrote said, I didn't think anything of it telling her about Jesus, but she got saved. Praise God. I read a testimony recently of uh, somebody who got saved. Ah, it was in the Every Home for Christ uh, newsletter. The uh, team had gone to a a village, and uh, they went into this house. There was a a family with an elderly um, individual, and they presented the gospel. And the old person accepted Christ as their Savior. They were pretty sick. That night, the person died. Who knows what would have happened if the, if the team hadn't gone to that village and gone to that house? One Sunday morning, as the pastor was preaching, not here, but in another church, the home church that we came out of, there's a lady I remember sitting a few seats in front of me. And as the pastor's preaching, she said, Yes, that's it. And then we heard a report that that week she passed into eternity. She she went forward, she received Christ as her Savior that morning, and just a few days later, she passed into eternity and she entered that rest. What we're doing today has impact for tomorrow and in the future. Hallelujah. The fullness of our rest is in the future. Psalm 37, verse 7 says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. They're going to get theirs in the end. Unless they get saved, they're going to be punished. God's going to take care of things. Hallelujah. But these people, they refused. Oops. They put God to the test. They had unbelief. They actively refused to trust God. Hallelujah. Let's move on to the next slide. Take care, brethren, brothers, and sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Praise God. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5. Thus says the Lord Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs. Or falls away from the Lord. Hallelujah. Or a a heart that refuses to trust. And deserts the cause of the living God. An army, if you desert, you could get shot. Praise God. But listen to what it says in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7 and 8. Blessed is the Lord. Or blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And whose hope is the Lord. But verse 9 goes on to say, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 warns us. And I looked up, I have a concordance a whole bunch of uh, every single word in the Bible, in the King James. <clears throat> and there's a whole bunch in Proverbs about the heart. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 tells us, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it, Springs the issues of life. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's talking about character. <clears throat> In the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey, he says his research, and I'm paraphrasing, his research shows that since the early days of our country, leadership literature has shifted from character-based leadership to personality-based leadership. In other words, people look to charismatic people, people who, who, who can talk the talk, but not walk the walk. There's another book I read. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but the one thing that the researcher said is that people who are successful are adamant about maintaining their integrity. Years ago, you didn't have to have a written contract you could just do a handshake and your word, and it was good. Nowadays, it's, everything's got to be in writing because the heart is deceitful. Hallelujah. Thank God that Jesus gives us a new heart. Excuse me. For God, verse 13, exhort one another every day as long as it's called today. Unfortunately, in this little church, we don't live real close to each other, so we don't have a real tight-knit community where we see everybody every day. Mostly we, usually, we see everyone on Sunday and sometimes on Wednesdays. So, what do we do? Encourage yourself in the Lord. Praise God. Or with your family, encourage yourself. Read your Bible every day. Exhort one another. Exhort one another or help one another while it's called today. Not tomorrow. Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown's commentary says, Not tomorrow when idle men work and fools repent. Tomorrow is Satan's today because he doesn't care what resolutions you make. If only you fix them tomorrow instead of today. None of you. Versus your fathers may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That none of you become deaf and blind to God through the delusive glamour of sin. Sin is glamorous. The advertisers make everything look great. Oh, YouTube or or MTV or whatever it was, they make everything, the movies make everything look nice. Everybody notice most people in the movies have really nice houses. I mean, really nice houses. Most people. You hardly ever see a shack unless it's like, what was the name of that? Brother, where aren't they? They had a shack. <laughs> but almost everybody else has these beautiful homes. That's not real life. Praise God. Hallelujah. The glamour of sin its delusional. Praise God. Why? Exhort one another to be hardened by the deceitful sin deceitfulness of sin because in verse 14 we have come to share in Christ hallelujah we have come to share we're partakers and first Peter I believe it is that Bible says through these exceeding great and precious promises we have been made to become partakers of the divine nature and that's not to puff ourselves us exalt ourselves it's to exalt God and point people to Jesus we have come to share in Christ if, there's that little word again, if indeed we hold our original confidence or confession as in verse 6, firm to the end. Firm to the end. Hold your confession and your confidence as it is said today. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Then it goes on in verses 16-16 through 18. It's a bunch of questions. With whom was God displeased? Hallelujah. With whom? Who are these people that God was not happy with? They didn't have a chance, I guess, because they didn't have um, the sacrifices back then. They didn't have Jesus as their mediator back then. Who rebelled? Who, was it everybody who came out of Egypt? And whom was he angry with for 40 years? That's a long time to be angry with somebody. 40 years, man, holding a grudge. But God was displeased because they wouldn't trust him. And as those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness. And who did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But those who refused to obey him and trust him. So we see they could not enter in because of their unbelief. They're unbelief, they refused to trust God. They refused to trust God. But God is trustworthy. God is faithful. Jesus is our high priest. He makes intercession for us. When we fail, he's still there to pick us back up. You haven't failed unless you've given up. You haven't failed unless you've given up and you quit. Have anybody ever met anybody say, said, Ah, God's through with me. God doesn't have anything to do with me ever again. You can believe that if you want. But you can also believe, you know what? God is merciful. His hands are stretched out all the day long towards the rebellious. God, as long as you live and breathe, I believe there's still a chance that you can be saved, that you can have that relationship with Jesus, that you can turn There's always time, if you're still alive, if you're still breathing, there's always a chance. There's always the opportunity to turn. When you pass into eternity, that's it. Then you're facing with God. But God loves us and wants to touch lives and hearts. Don't give up. Hold fast your confidence to the end. And our confidence is is this, that what Jesus did is more than enough to make us good enough to have a relationship with him. So let's close in prayer this morning. Bow our heads and close our eyes.